testing, testing. If this is your first time in our church, just want to welcome you. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. I have a powerful message that I want to share with you this morning. And uh, it is how to live a supernatural Christian life. How to live a supernatural Christian life. Well, before I go into the message, you know, I have to share with you why and what happens when you're listening to a sermon. I thought that this is very basic, but the Lord said to me that I need to teach you and show you. So what happens when I'm listening to a sermon? So when you're listening to a sermon, you're actually receiving the word. You're receiving the word and you're receiving the power of the word into your spirit. When you're listening to a sermon, your spirit is being charged, being charged up and being built up. Your soul, which is made up of your will, your mind, and your emotions, your will is being cleansed when you listen to a sermon. And your body is being healed and being rejuvenated and being energized. Healing comes as you listen to the word of God. Holy emotions can also be stirred up on the inside of you. Tears may come to you because of God's goodness. When the light comes, the Holy Spirit will move you so that you repent of certain areas in your life. You ask God for forgiveness and you ask God for deliverance so that you can live a free, victorious and triumphant life so that you may grow up. During the preaching of the sermon, you also can receive fire. You can also receive passion. You receive the call of God on your life. Remember, when you're listening to a sermon, it is not personal. It is not personal. It is not social. Amen. When you're listening uh, to a sermon, it is not natural. It is not social, but spiritual. The preacher is not preaching against you. The preacher is not talking about your personal uh, situations or circumstances. The preacher is preaching the word of God, which is no respecter of persons. Understand that there may be things that your mind does not understand or comprehend, but your spirit always does. Remember, when it comes to the preaching of the word of God, it is not intellectual. Revival always started with the farmers, with the uneducated, with the workers, not the professionals. It is just because they have received the word, later on they grew in their lives and they became professionals. So once the word of God gets into your spirit, it will activate you, enrich you, empower you, and promote you against all the attacks, temptations, deceptions, and bondage of the devils. So it's very important when you're listening to a sermon, you listen into your spirit, into your spirit, into your soul. Amen. It's like when you're putting your washing detergent into your laundry. How many of you understand the chemical formula in your detergents? I have no idea. We don't understand the chemical formula that was used to make the washing powder or the washing detergent. But we do follow the instructions. If the instruction says you need to soak your material, your washings into the hot water or warm water for three hours, then you do so. Amen? So it's like that. Remember, when I'm preaching, I'm not addressing your natural mind, but your spirit. And only your spirit can lay hold of your soul, which is your will, your thoughts, and your emotions. And your soul is directly related to your physical health. Your soul can directly impact your physical well-being. Choices and decisions, feelings and thoughts can directly impact your health. So that's why... When you listen to the word of God, listen in, listen in, into your spirit, into your soul. It is written in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 
First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the very God of peace, sanctify, make you clean, make you healthy, sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, one piece, holy. And I pray, God, your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit and soul and body, okay? Spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. So the devil cannot blame you and attack you. Preserved blameless. Amen? So that's my introduction. That helps you when it comes to listening to preachings. Okay, let's dig into the title this morning. How do I live a supernatural life as a Christian? How to live a supernatural Christian life? Number one, To live a supernatural Christian life, we have to address the off-course problem. What do we mean by an off-course problem? That means I should be going this way straight. But because my eyes were looking that way, and instead of going straight, I go off-course. I go down another path. You can see the degree has changed. Instead of a 90-degree straight line, I've gone the other way. All right? So we need to address the off-course problem. Go with me to Psalm 8. Psalm 82, verse 5 to 7. Psalm 82, verse 5 to 7. Psalm 82, verse 5 to 7. This tells us what the off-course problem is about. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk in darkness, walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Now understand the word of God is not to scold you. The word of God is not to chastise you. This is an exposition. This is letting us know what's happening on the earth. This is letting us know the reasons for the problems that we have in life. It's because a lack of knowledge. They know not. Neither will they understand a lack of understanding. And as a result of a lack of knowledge, as a result of a lack of understanding of God's truth, they walk on in darkness. Remember Hosea 4, 6? My people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So they walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. So as a result of that, we have earthquakes, we have typhoons, we have floods, we have heat waves and all of that. And if you continue to read, it's very, very important. So first we were told what's wrong, what is wrong. And then in verse 6 of the same psalm, we are told God's original design. God's original purpose for every man and every woman. I have said, he said, I've said it. I have said, you are God's. You are made in my class. You are made by my spirit. You are made in the image of me. That's what God is saying. It's like a cow gives birth to cows, right? A dog gives birth to dogs. So it's the same kind. We are made after God's kind. Amen? So you are God's and all of you are children of the Most High. So let me ask you, what's your position? High or low? High. A little bit higher or the Most High? The Most High. Amen? So that's our ordained position. That's God's plan for us. That's what He said. So whatever He says, you need to take it and believe it. Amen? Whatever he says, if God says, I'm going to heal you, don't say, oh, I'm not worthy of your healing. Don't ever say that. If he says, I'm healing you, you say, thank you. I'm healed. Can we say amen? And then verse 7, tell us, once again, God said, because of your choices, because you chose not to know, because you chose not to understand, you chose to stay mortals, You chose to stay a mere man. You shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. So as a man, the highest position that you can go to would be a prince. That's the highest position. But even a prince will fall and die. 
and go to hell. So God is saying, why don't you rise up to be in the position that I have made you, that I've created you to be? Can we say amen? Hallelujah. So let us take God's ordained position. And don't forget, Jesus quoted this in John chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus quoted this in his conversation with the Pharisees. Let me ask you something very practical and straightforward. Do you want the flood to rule over you or you want to rule over the flood? Do you want the heat waves to rule over you or, to, or you to rule over the heat waves? Do you want to have the earthquake to attack you and take away all that you have and kill your family? Or you want to have rule over the earthquake? So it is God's will for mankind to subdue nature. Nature is out of course because of the sin of man. And it is the will of God for us to rule over nature. Amen. If you look at Matthew chapter 10 verse 8. Do you want to rule over sickness or sickness to rule over you? Come on. Rule over sickness. That's why people go to the doctors. That's why people go to the hospitals. Why? Because you want to be able to control sickness. I mean, the best they can do sometimes is just to manage. If you have what they call a diarrhea or if you have whatever problem, they try to manage your case. But God wants us to rule over, to abort, amen, to win over, amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, the first line, the first, the first word, heal the sick. Heal the sick. That's what Jesus is saying. As a disciple, heal the sick. I don't want that kind of problem for my men. I don't want sickness and disease for people. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. That's God's commission for the church. So let me ask you, is it God's will for you to stay sick? No. Is it God's will for you to stay unclean? No. Is it God's will for us to die early? No. Is it God's will for us to have devils? No. Amen. God wants us to rule over them. Take control. Come on, say to the person next to you, take control over your life. Take control over your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus will empower you to be in charge of your will, your thoughts, and your emotions. How many of you have had thoughts that come to you that you don't want? Come on, lift up your hands. Yes, thoughts will come to you and cause you to feel depressed, cause you to feel angry, cause you to feel annoyed, but you don't need to accept them. You can reject them. Talk to them, talk back to them and say, go, I'm not having these thoughts. I'm not entertaining you. I'm not meditating on you. Can we say amen? Amen. amen. How many of you have watched that, that cartoon? Oh, sorry, I forgot the name of the cartoon again. Uh, that the, the, the girl was offered an apple. Snow White. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have to take it. Right? If the devil, if the devil were to come to you and offer you a toxic apple, what do you do? Throw it away. <laughs> Throw it away. Amen. We don't have to be stupid. We don't have to be naive. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Say with me, I'm not a victim. One more time. I'm not a victim. Now beware of the symptoms of sickness. Understand that sickness does have a voice. And the voice can be headache. The voice can be pain. The voice can be just simply you're annoyed because you don't have t energy. That you can't do what you wanted to do. Don't listen to the devil's voice. Amen. Even though I have a headache, I still say by his stripes, I am healed. Even though I have pain in my kneecap, I say that by his stripes, I am healed. 
Amen. What happened? The truth comes out. The truth is released. The truth comes out. And before I know it, before I realize it, all the pain is gone. The truth will always change the facts. Doctors treat you by symptoms. They don't know your pain. They have to ask you, what's your pain like? Tell me, what's wrong with your body? So a doctor gives you a prescription or an analysis based on the voice of your body. Because your body has a voice. So refuse to be harassed by the voice of your body. Amen. Listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. That's why he's called the comforter. Listen to the voice of the comforter. Listen to the voice of the comforter. I've been healed of migraine headache for decades. And migraine headache still tried to attack me and gave me those symptoms. But I have been smart. I have learned from God to be smart. I said, devil, I'm not listening to you. Get out in the name of Jesus. And when those symptoms persisted, I stay faithful. Faithful to the word of God, faithful to the truth. And because I'm faithful, God's faithfulness takes over my body. God's faithfulness takes over my body. The word always works. The word always works. The word always works. Amen. Glory be to God. Now go with me to Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18. Amen. Hallelujah. So refuse a victimized way of thinking. Don't focus on your problems because whatever you focus on will grow. Whatever you focus on will grow. The problem, that's how the devil attacks us. He, he chucks you a problem. He chucks you a problem and you keep looking at the problem and then it grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because you're feeding it. Don't feed your problem. Can we say amen? Starve them. Don't give your problems attention. Amen? Starve them. Amen? Even if you were to go to a doctor, the doctor would not say, okay, come on, can you just keep looking at your headache, focus on your headache? No. The doctor will give you something that would distract your attention from your headache. That will cause you not to listen to the voice of your headache. Isn't that right? Amen? And then... As, as time goes on, that your headache is gone. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm talking about the Bible. I know some of you are thinking, what is she saying? I'm talking about your Bible. Sickness comes from sin. The wages of sin is death. Sickness is the devil's way to kill a person. Haven't we found out? Sickness can lead to death, both physical sickness and emotional sickness. Emotional sickness can lead to suicide. Physical sickness can lead to death. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death is a process. Death is a process. And God says, don't enter into that path. That's why the law of the spirit of life we're talking about life. We're talking about the life of Jesus, the resurrection life. That Jesus has died to impart into our spirit. How did God make the first man? He breathed into him. He breathed into that man that's made of blood. And that man become, became a living being. How many of you noticed that? How many of you have noticed that? Can you breathe? Can, come on, come on. Can I ask you to breathe for me now? Come on, breathe. Breathe. Can you breathe? That's how you know you are alive. Because you, you can breathe. The breath is still in you. That's how you know that you are alive. And the Holy Spirit is called the breath of life. A dead person, a dead person is still alive in hell. But it's not with the spirit of life, it's with the spirit of death. Understand that. Okay? So you're getting spiritual understanding. Now go with me to Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18. Isaiah 8 verse 18. I mean, the whole world believes in ghosts. The Chinese people believe in ghosts. 
The Western world believe in ghosts, the departed dead spirit. Well, you said, but they can't breathe anymore. Well, they have the breath of death. That's what they have. And uh, by the way, you know, there are no ghosts. They are devils. They are familiar spirits that have come back to haunt you. They have studied how the dead, you know, how they, how they act in certain way, their idiosyncrasies, their mannerisms, and uh, they came back as ghosts to haunt you, to put you into fear. Again, it's bondage. So say to the person next to you, freedom. No bondage. Amen. Glory be to God. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18. Behold, I am the children whom the Lord hath given me, read that together with me, are for signs and for wonders. So you are for signs and for wonders. Lift up your hands. You are for signs and for wonders. People will walk past you and say, wow, I wonder how she can live like that. Wow, I wonder how she's so joyful. Wow, I wonder how she's so healthy. You are for signs and for wonders. Amen. So learn how to live by the supernatural power of God. Study the word to learn how to work miracles. Study the word to learn how to work miracles. Our God is the God of miracles. Let me give you a list of people who's had miracles. Abraham and Sarah. Well, the birth of Isaac was a miracle. It was a physical impossibility. Sarah had passed her menopause. And Abraham already reached his 90. His past 99. And yet both of them had a healthy child. Well, you can say it's a miracle she fell pregnant, but you know, you can be worried to death is that's going to be a healthy child, right? So she, not only did she have a child, she had a healthy child. How did that happen? Abraham believed God. How did it happen? Abraham believed God. Well, you said that's very easy. Well, if I were to put you in his shoes, it wouldn't be that easy to believe God for your wife to fall pregnant when you're 99. And knowing that your wife had already passed menopause. <laughs> How did he believe God? It's not that he believed God. It's because God coached him how to believe. God took him out and said to him, lift up your head and count the stars. God said to Abraham, stop looking at yourself and your age. Stop looking at your wife and her age. Stop looking at yourself inward and stop looking around you because your family is going to laugh at you. Look up. Look at the stars and start counting them because they will be like your children. And that's how God coached Abraham to believe. God took Abraham by the hand and taught him the way of faith. Amen. Amen. Remember, even after that, Abraham questioned God. When God said that I'm going to give your wife a child, Abraham laughed. Sarah laughed. Both of them said, how could that be? Remember that? So God had to coach them. God had to be patient with them until he became fully persuaded. So my question for you is, do we have a part to play when it comes to miracles? Yes or no? Yes, we have a part to play. God had to wait and wait. He had to wait until Abraham became fully persuaded. Remember, when God made Adam, when God created the whole universe, and he put Adam, right, in the Garden of Eden, and God turned over the rulership to Adam. So God had delegated the rulership of the earth to a man called Adam. And Adam betrayed him, of course. And remember, whatever God had given you, he would not take it back. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So the authority to rule over your life 
to rule over your life had been given to you and God is not going to take it back. God is not going to, you know, just boss over you and just bully you and then have his, have his way. No, he doesn't do that. You know, that's why we sing those religious songs like, Lord, have your own way, have your own way. And Christians become so passive, you know, in your own time, have your own way. It's like there's nothing I can do. No, that's a lie. That's a religious lie. There's a lot that you can do about your life. There's a lot that you can do about your body. There's a lot that you can do. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. There's so much that you can do that Jesus said, in my name, you cast out devils. Amen. I read the book of Kennedy Hagen. He was having a conversation with Jesus. And then a demon got in. It's like you wonder, how come, you know, he's having a conversation with Jesus. How could a devil get in? I tell you, there are devils in church. <laughs> and Kennedy Hagen asked Jesus, why, why didn't you get, get rid of the devil? Jesus said, I've delegated the authority to you. You get rid of the devil. Amen. How many of you understand? How many of you understand? Amen. It's like when you go shopping with your son who is like 25 years old, you're not going to choose for him. He's going to make his own choices, right? Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. This is what happened to Abraham. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope, referring to Abraham, that he might become the father of many nations. You know, God enlightened him. God helped him to think that it's not about him. It's not just about Abraham as a person who is childless. You have to think bigger than yourself. You have to think bigger than your business. You have, to big, you have to think bigger than your family. Not just me and my four and no more. God enlightened him and stretched him and broadened him. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. It's not about what he says. It's not about what he thinks. It's about what has been said about him. God had spoken to him so many times. God had made declarations on his life. God had prophesied over him. So shall your seed be. It's time for me to meditate on the word. It's time for me to think of the word, not my word. It's not for me to think about my carnal words, my carnal thoughts. It's time for me to follow the scripture, the Bible. Shakespeare said the world is a stage and everyone have a part to play. That's why you see all the YouTube, right? Everybody loves to show everybody, you know, what I can do. When you are an actor, when you are a player, you have a script that's given to you. You have to recite the lines. You have to play out the part. The devil has given you a script that you have been living by. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this script, my word, my plan, my life, my part for you to play. It is you, it is you who are to decide whose script will you follow, whose life will you live. It is not up to God, it is up to us. God has given us the free will. You can live and die. Even a Christian, as a child, the devil can bully you and attack you and victimize you because you have chosen to live as a child. At the same time, you can choose to live as an adult, to mature, to grow, to work signs, wonders, miracles, to live a strong life, a healthy life, a triumphant life. The choice is yours. Amen. And look at this. As soon as he decided to follow the word of the Lord, look at verse 20. Look at verse 19. And being not weak in faith. Why? Because he had been listening to the word of God. Being not weak in faith. He considered not. He no longer looked at his own body. Now dead. As far as sexuality is concerned, 
His body was dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet at the deadness of Sarah's womb. Why? Because he could believe. God said, God said it, I believed it, and that is it. God said it, I believe it, and that is it. Neither yet at the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not, he stumbled not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief simply means I don't believe. You may say so. I may listen to you many times. I've been listening to this kind of sermon for 20 years. But I still do not believe. A lot of people think that it's not up to me to believe or not. No, believe or not, it's a choice. Your head may scream at you. When I was having migraine headache, my head screamed at me. But I believe with my heart, with my spirit. And my faith outlasted the attack of the devil. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Strong in faith because he had listened to God's word. And he's playing God's word in his mind. He's playing God's word in his emotions. He's playing God's word in his will giving glory to God. He realized at last it's not about him having a boy. It's about many nations that were to be birthed by God. It's about giving glory to God. It's about giving glory to God that he's the God of the impossible. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. And look at verse 21. And he became fully persuaded Fulfilled, fully filled, fully persuaded. No, it's not like, God, if I see these symptoms have gone, then I'll believe you. God, if I'm no longer coughing, I believe you. You cough and believe at the same time. (laughs) Amen. Glory be to God. Fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able to perform. Amen. The word says so, and he does it. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So were all the miracles to do with God only? No. Did Abraham have a part to play? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Isaac, his son, had his financial miracle in a time of famine. How did that happen? Did God just drop it from the sky? No, he sold in times of famine. Even in financial difficult times, he gave. And Jacob, he became wealthy while he was being exploited by Laban, his father-in-law. How did that happen? He believed the dream that God had given to him and he acted on it. God gave him a dream He acted on the dream, he implemented it, and as a result, supernatural transfer of wealth happened. All the sheep of Laban became his sheep. He became more wealthy than Laban. Amen. What about Joseph? He had a dream from God and he believed it. He held on to it, even though his family mocked him and disinherited him or his brothers. I mean, his father still had him, but his brothers, you know, sold him. But he held on to the dream. And because he believed the dream, he prospered by the ability to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh's dreams put Joseph into Pharaoh's court, promoted him. So what Joseph believed in, what Joseph believed in, ended up promoting him to the court of Pharaoh. Hallelujah. What happened to Moses? Moses had a miraculous encounter with God at the burning bush. And that changed his life. He became partner with God. He entered into partnership with God for signs and wonders and miracles in Egypt. There's no way that he could deliver his countrymen from Egypt. No way. It's like the doctors may tell you, it's impossible. There's no way to be healed. In the natural, there's no way. 
There's no way that the, that the Israelites could be delivered from Egypt. But that's how God worked. He worked miracles. Can we say amen? He worked miracles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the ten plagues became Moses' testimonies. Amen. All right, let's look at Psalm 103, verse 7. Psalm 103, verse 7. Whenever God, whenever God gives you a miracle, write them down and testify. I remember Alexander Dowie. I wrote his books. And, sorry, I, I read his books and I wrote his books. I read his books. He said that whatever you have received from the Lord, testify. Because it's not you, it's God. So you need to tell the whole world about what God has done for you. He, referring to God, made known his ways unto Moses. Say with me, his ways. His acts unto the children of Israel. Where everybody could see that the Red Sea was parted. Wow, praise the Lord, the Red Sea was parted. Oh, let's cross over. Don't stop there. You know, those who are successful in life, they want to know the way to do it. The way to do it. Wow. It's like, for example, I see a beautiful greeting card in a, a shop. And I bought that card. It's so beautiful. But I don't stop there. I want to study so I know how to make that card. Or if you have had a, had a, a good dish, you know, that's very, very nice. You don't stop there. You want to know how to make that dish. So the same thing. Moses, he saw the Red Sea was parted. It's amazing. It's, mir it's miraculous. How did you do that? He made known his ways unto Moses. You know, God has no commercial secrets. <laughs> no copyright. God said, you want to know how to work miracles? I'll show you. You want how to heal the sick? I'll show you. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, with God, there's no copyright. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, but God is sovereign. It's all up to God. He's too high. He's too deep for us to understand, to work with. So we just do our best and leave the rest to God. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're wrong. God wants you to know his ways. He made known his ways unto Moses. God wants us to know his ways. He wants us to do miracles. He, you ask me, are you sure? Well, go to Exodus chapter 4 verse 17. Exodus chapter 4 verse 17. This is God speaking to Moses. You shall take this rod in your hand wherewith, come on, read that with me. What's the word after that? Wherewith? You shall do signs. He could have said, he could have said, wherewith I shall do signs. But what did he say? What did he say? Come on, answer me, church. What did he say? You. 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 That's his heart. How many of you want your 20-year-old son, 27, 25, still depend on you? How many of you would kick him out and say, go get a living yourself? Hey, would you? Would you expect your 20, 27-year-old son or daughter to go get a living? That's what God is saying to us. God is saying, go, go, work miracles. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. That's what he's saying. Amen. What is this rod? The rod is Jesus. What did Jesus say? In my name. That's Jesus. All right. Go with me to Psalm 110 verse 2. 110 verse 2. The Lord shall send the rod out of your strength. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rue thou in the midst of your enemies. When your devil is attacking you, you get so angry. Rue in the midst of your enemies. 
When the devil is attacking you, you get so depressed, rue in the midst of your enemies because God does not want you to become a victim. He wants you to become a victor. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. When the storm is raging, amen, when the wind is fierce, rue in the midst of your enemies. When people are bullying you and trying to harm you, rue in the midst of your enemies. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Amen. You take the word, you take the name of Jesus, and you work miracles. God wants us to work signs, to rule with his miraculous power over the devil. How many of us know that, let me just give an example, like cancer. You can go to the doctor, they can give you all kinds of treatment, you know, chemotherapy, all kinds of radiation treatment. But how many of you know that cancer can come back? How many of you know that even common sickness like headache, you can take Panadol, you know, it can come back. I had migraine headache, you know, I took Panadol, I slept, I vomited, it came back. Why? Because you cannot get rid of a devil with a surgical light, with a surgical knife. You cannot get rid of a demon with medication. They are spirits. You can't find demons under the x-ray or the ultrasound, because they cast no shadows. They are spirits. And demons are not afraid of medication. They are not afraid of surgical knives. They are not afraid of scans. They leave only because of authority. Only because of authority. That's why Jesus said, in my name, you will cast out devils. That's why Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. Born into his class. That's when you have authority over the devil. And when you have authority, don't hide behind somebody. When you have authority, use it. When you pray, cast out devils. Rebuke him. Say prayers of vengeance. Amen. You can't beg a demon to leave. Can we back a bully to leave? When you back a bully to leave, the bully will hurt you more. Demons are bullies. You don't back them to go. You cast them out. Can we say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Say with me, I'm a child of God. I have authority. I have dominion. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. It's important that we rue in the midst of our enemies because without the supernatural power of God, one can get fearful, intimidated, frustrated, and worried. And you sink and you sink because of the law of gravity. It takes the law of the spirit to lift you up. The law of the spirit will take you up, will lift you up so that you can mount and you can soar. Can we say amen? amen. Say with me, rise up. Arise, rise up, arise. So to live a supernatural Christian life, you must, number one, be born again. You must be born again out of darkness and evil into the light, into the godliness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be filled with his life. Number two, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Once you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and your spirit comes to life. So that you are in tune with God once again. But it's not enough. You must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. With the evidence of praying in tongues. I don't mind. I don't care what denomination you are from. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall be speaking in tongues. For out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. And you will be rama rama The word of God says that my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is always ready for the Holy Ghost to Because I need his word to feed my spirit. The Holy Spirit gives me the language. Tongues is the language of the Holy Ghost that bypasses my human mind. So I don't think by my mind. I think by praying in tongues. I live by receiving the utterances of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. So number two, you must be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of praying in tongues. And we are, you are already baptized with the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues at home, praying in tongues when you're in the car. Amen. You need the word of God to fill your spirit. The utterances of the Holy Ghost to fill your soul. Our soul needs to be taken over by the Holy Ghost. A lot of times our problems are soulish problems. Making the wrong decision having the wrong thoughts, entertaining the wrong thoughts, becomes emotionally poor, victimized, going into the dark regions where the devil can bully you and kick you. So we must, it's very important for us to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with his power. Number three, feed on the word of God, like what's happening to you now. Feed on the word. Number four, grow in the revelation and the understanding of spiritual knowledge. It's not enough for you to just go search the internet and just see whom to listen to. I want you to know that a teacher, how many of you know the five-fold ministry? Five-fold ministry are given by God. Pastors, uh, let's start with apostles, prophets, Pastors, teachers, evangelists. So a teacher is one of the fivefold ministry. And God said in his word that I will give you a teacher. Amen. So listen, listen to teaching that gives you revelation and understanding. Number five, pray, as I said just now, pray in the spirit with understanding. Number six, apply the word, live by the word, walk in the light of it. As soon as I heard about divine healing, I made up my mind to live by it. And that's how God completely delivered me and healed me from migraine headache. I made up my mind to live by the word of God. And that's how God completely delivered me from all kinds of allergy. Amen. Hallelujah. Make up your mind to live by the word. Amen. Number seven, believe in miracles. If you always crung natural science, if you always count and depend on what is natural, you can't walk in the miraculous. For us to have miracles, we must believe in miracles. Amen. Say it to yourself. I believe in miracles. One more time. I believe in miracles. No matter how hard it is, no matter how impossible it is, I believe in miracles. A very, very famous teacher, Catherine Kuhlman, you know, she has a program. It's called I Believe in Miracles. Amen. And she's a miracle worker. You know, it's listed in the book of Romans, a miracle worker. So she believed in miracles and she got what she believed in. And you can believe miracles for your physical body, for your relationship with people, for your finances, for your character. You can believe in miracles. Amen. God will give you miracles because you believe. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Understand that God is not a dictator. Amen. He needs you to work with him. Amen. Let's look at Psalm 138 verse 2. Psalm 138 verse 2. I think you know by now that I put a lot of emphasis on the teaching of the word of God. I'm sure you have found out by now. Why is it so important? Go to the last line of that verse. For you have magnified your word above all your name. How many of you know that the name of Jesus is very powerful? How many of you know that the name of Jesus can give us miracles, signs and wonders? But look at this scripture. God has magnified his word above his name. Jesus had magnified his word above his name. Why? Because understanding is with the word of God. Understanding is with the word of God. It's when I read the word, understanding comes to me. When I read the word, I understand 
Wow, that's how you get miracles. Wow, that's how you get freedom from bondage. Wow, that's how I should live. Wow, that's how I get demons away from my life. Understanding is in the word of God. Understanding is not in the name of Jesus. Understanding is not in attending a church. Understanding is in the word of God. And the more hungry you are, the more thirsty you are, it's like the word is like an onion. It has many layers. And the more hungry you become, the more thirsty you become, you start peeling the layers, layer by layer. And you're getting into the depth of the word. You're getting into the depth. Remember, the depth and the height and the length and the breadth. So you're growing, you're growing, you're growing. Smith Wigglesworth, he said, if today you have not grown as a child of God, you have backslidden. So you're growing every day, growing in your spiritual understanding, growing in your knowledge and your understanding of God's word, God's way of living and God's word and God's way of casting out devils, God's word and God's way of keeping yourself strong in the Lord. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. It's like a craftsman. If I want to know how to make a greeting card, I need to study how to make it. If I want to make a curry dish, I need to learn how to make it. <laughs> right? It's like I was in the fashion business. You know, for me to, to understand a dress, I need to learn how a dress is made. Isn't that right? If you go to a hairdresser, the reason why she can cut your hair beautifully is because she has learned the way to cut your hair. That's why Jesus, what did God say? He had known, he had made known his ways to Moses. He has made known his ways to Moses. And if you look at Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, Proverbs 4, 7. So let me ask you, should Christians be passive? Do you read your Bible just to please the Father? No. The Father is already pleased whether you read your Bible or not. He's pleased by Jesus. You've entered into that covenant. He's already pleased because of Jesus. You read your Bible to know him. To know him. To know him. Amen? To know him. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, With all your getting, get... With all you're getting, get. With all you're getting, get. Understanding. You may have the wisdom, but you don't know how. The understanding is the know-how. Say to the person next to you, understanding. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord... It's the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom means I know the right thing to do. I know what's the first thing to do. That's wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So I understand God. I understand His heart. I understand how He thinks. I understand how He operates. I understand what He thinks about this situation. I understand what he thinks about that situation. That's called understanding. I want to give you a very important scripture. Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Now, Jesus was chastising the Pharisees, all right, and the lawyers. Because they studied the word. They had studied the word. They had studied the word. Yet they missed. Look at that. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. What is the key? What is the key? Come on, answer me, church. What is the key? Just read that. What is the key? Knowledge. What is the key? Knowledge. What is a key for? Unlock. Open. Remember the mysteries of God. The wisdom of God, the knowledge of God had been hidden. Not everybody had access to it. But remember, whatever God had hidden is for us, not against us. 
hidden for us to know. For example, I've hidden a bit of treasure in this plant. Okay? But I would give you the clue. So you know how to get the treasure. So God is saying, I have this vast house of knowledge. But I have given the Pharisees the key. But then they didn't use the key. They enter not in themselves. And then whoever wanted to enter in, they hindered. They led them, of course, into religion. How do we know that it's a religion? They had no freedom. Religion gives you no freedom. Religion gives you bondage. You keep praying, I'm a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm no good. I'm just a worm. I'm no good, God. I'm no good. And the devil is standing next to you. Yeah, you're right. You're no good. (laughs) And then you pray like this. I don't know how to pray. I need my wife to pray for me. I need pastor to pray for me. I don't know how to pray. And the devil keeps saying, yeah, you're right. You don't know how to pray. I'm very tired. Whenever they pray, I fall asleep. They can do all the praying. I just need to sleep. And the devil is clapping his hands and saying, that's right. Keep sleep on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We need to kill those sacred cows. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the key of knowledge is what gets you into the supernatural. I'm fully convinced whenever you're suffering a back pain, there's a devil at the back stabbing you. I've seen that vision. I've seen that vision. It's a devil at your back stabbing you with a knife. Whenever you feel a headache, it's a snake coiling around you and tightening itself. Demons are very real. And uh, the key to the natural, the key to the supernatural is knowledge. If there is a lack of knowledge, there is a lack of application of the word of God. Knowledge will cause you to do. The reason why you don't do is because you don't know. Look at Proverbs chapter 16 verse 22. Can I just throw this at you? Life is very short. How many of us have discovered that? How many, of us have, how many of us have found time ticking? I used to be 16, but now I am 61. <laughs> time goes very fast, so don't waste your time. Come on. Don't waste your time. When you go to heaven, what do you have to show God? He's not interested in your professional qualifications. He's not interested in how much money you have made. Those things don't impress him. You know, the street is paved with gold. I mean, how, how much money can you give God? You know, you'll be asked the question, what have you done with your life? What have you done with your life? Proverbs 16, verse 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life. Understanding is a wellspring of life. How do I know that I have life? I can think fast. I get to understanding. I get to revelation. I can correct myself. I'm quick to repent. I'm quick to change. Why? Because life is in me. Life is in me. And when there's not enough life in you and death is holding you captive... Oh, I just want to sleep, let them play, let them pray. Oh, it's too difficult, it's too hard, the sermon. Just talk, I'll sleep. Why? Because death is holding you captive. There is not enough spiritual life on the inside of you to activate you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Health is about life. We're talking about the eternal life of Jesus. How do I, why am I worrying? Because there's not enough faith. Stop arguing and stop defending yourself and get angry and upset with me. Are you telling me that I have no faith? I'm not telling you that you have no faith. What you've just told me, show me that you have no faith. Faith is a fruit. It has to be grown. It has to be cultivated. Like God, 
He helped Abraham with his faith. Can we say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Understanding is a wellspring of life. Go with me to Proverbs 17, verse 27. Proverbs 17, verse 27. And understanding gives you an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. How many of you have heard of dementia? It's because a person has grown old, can no longer remember stuff. The memory has decayed. Well, God has given us so many years to activate this spiritual man. Why are we living by the natural man? We should be living by the spiritual man. This spiritual man will never have dementia. Will never give you dementia. Live by the spiritual man. Amen. It's a wellspring of life. It's of an excellent spirit. A spirit that never fails. Can we say amen? I believe that there is a transition between the natural life and the spiritual life. There is a transition. Your natural life will come to an end and your spiritual life will take over. That's called death. But for us, those are with Christ, we don't die. We go to be with the Lord. Jesus said, don't you know that if you believe in me, you'll never die. I remember the first sermon I preached in China. This guy took me to, uh, you know, a Chinese uh, government church. And I preached, you would never die. <laughs> and he, afterwards, he came to me and said, how could you preach that? Well, that's, that, that's in the Bible. <laughs> he said, well, people will come to you and say how not to die. You know, that's true. <laughs> Get into the word, you not die. Amen. And uh, go with me to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 45. Luke 24, verse 45. It's so funny when you go out to preach. You know, I remember uh, somebody was uh, preaching and he asked me to translate for him. And because he was teaching all the wrong doctrines, I preached another message. <laughs> I couldn't translate. <laughs> I, I can't preach what's wrong. <laughs> I mean, and then the people say, yeah, praise the Lord. And then he was so happy. <laughs> Luke 24, verse 45. Then opened he their understanding. Opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Amen. I mean, even though you may have a PhD in theology, if your understanding had not been opened, you don't understand the scriptures. Amen? So believe in miracles. The Bible is a supernatural book. If you were to take away all the miracles, you have no pages left. <laughs> Daniel believed in miracles. And that's why he was spared from the hungry lions. The Hebrew children believed in miracles. That's why they were not burnt. Can we say amen? Desire God's miracles for yourself and for those around you. Amen. Let's look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 3. Daniel chapter 4, verse 3. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. Now, now remember, Daniel wrote this. Remember, in his days, there was no Bible. This was Daniel's exclamation. He said, how great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And this is a prophecy. And his dominion is from generation to generation. He's talking about us. He's talking about God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. When you read the Bible, don't think that this is just the Bible I'm reading. No, no. This is a living and pulsating word of God. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. So, amen. And uh, if you read Daniel chapter 6, verse 27, Daniel 6, 27, Daniel 6, 27, he delivers, he rescues. He had just been delivered from the lion's den. We're not talking about, you know, this is a theological statement. <laughs> No, he delivers, he rescues, he works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who have delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. This is his testimony. Glory be to God. Testify like Daniel. Can we say amen? 
Believers, we are entitled to have miracles. It's our entitlement. We are entitled to have miracles. Amen. Jesus told us that. He stamped his stamp of approval in Mark chapter 16. When I first got saved and my eyes started to read these two scriptures, I threw my Bible. I said, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 verse 17. These signs shall follow them that believe. Not evangelists, not pastors, not teachers, not apostles. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Continue. Continue. Though, let's continue. Verse 18. Verse 18, Mark 16, 18. In my name. They shall take up serpents, referring to devils. They shall take up serpents. COVID-19. Influenza. Cancer. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick because they are so full of power and they shall recover. Amen. Isn't this powerful? Jesus had stamped his stamp of approval for us to go out to work signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. It might as well be you. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and the gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. So what is his will? For us to work signs, wonders, miracles, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You don't need a special calling to work signs and wonders and miracles. It's the will of the Father for you. It's for whosoever will. It's for whosoever will pay the price of time and consecration. Can we say amen? Amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. I've given